Greetings, amigops, and top teners everywhere. This is Mike from Top Ten with Kyle and Mike. I am here this week, as every week, in my chair, this week in a robe in my chair, joined by our faithful co-host, Kyle. This week, as every week, Kyle and I will be discussing a top ten list. We'll be talking about that topic by the end of the episode. We will have a definitive top ten list. I happen to know this week's list, but we're still going to debate it vigorously. So Kyle, what is this week's top 10? Okay, Mike, we finally made it to quadrant three of our three-part series. Yes, the final quadrant. That's right. <laughs> the final <laughs> quadrant. So for those of, for those of us catching up, we've already covered in the Harry Potter universe beasts that J.K. Rowling invented herself that appear in the books. We've also covered beasts that she did not invent herself that appear in the books. We are now going to be talking about beasts that she did invent, but don't appear in the books. Rather, they appear in the Fantastic Beasts novelette or the Fantastic Beasts movie, the very first one. So this doesn't include beasts that will begin the upcoming film that comes out in a couple weeks here. We're getting on the hype train. That is the point of this series is to get us all hyped. Not that we needed it because... The trailers have been on point, and I know that the like pre-review embargo fan little teasers are always skewed towards the upside, but they've been very positive. Yeah, I remember when the Fantastic Four remake came out; those were all positive for that movie too. So, be- all right, well, so you're a dick. I'm just saying you got to be careful. I expect this movie to be good, and though I am sufficiently hyped without this podcast, I think this one will put people over the top because yeah. This is fun stuff. Yeah, word. So we're going to go through this and how I'm ranking them. I've put together a list. How I'm going to have ranked them is basically the higher on the list you are, it means either it's relevance to the story and how much we've seen of it. Like, cause like some of these have been retroactively kind of fit into the Harry Potter universe. And you'll see what I mean. The book verse, you'll see what I mean when we get to it. And and some of them appear in the movie and some don't. So, like, the more we've seen of it, either tangentially related to the books or in the movie itself, that gets you higher. And then also general badassness and creativity are two uh, some of the things that I'm taking into account while ranking these. The only thing I want to clarify, which I think I'm clear on, is if you have appeared on either of the previous two lists, thou shalt not appear on this list. Correct. For example... The the movie, which I just rewatched the other day with the good friend of the pod, Dill, and fiancé of the pod, Tatum, and wife of the pod, Allegis, we, we, we rewatched the first one, and some of the very prominent creatures in, in the movie are the Arumpent and mm. the Demiguys, the Bowtruckle, the Billywig, which I we... love the Bowtruckle. Yes, for more on the bow truckle, tune in <laughs> to Quadrant 1 of the Fantastic Beast Top 10 pod. So those are beasts that appear in the movie, but kind of they were tangentially, at very least, mentioned in the book, so they're not going to appear again on this list. So let's just so let's just dive into this one then. Here we go. And we've got our we've got our copies of the book here ready for for reference. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to read this little bit from the book first because I think it'll be fun to to do this as we go. The, the book defines the, the, it classifies each beast. 
um, in terms of its like danger rating. Yes. So I'll, I'll read those off for you, and then I'll tell you what each one is as we go through. Can I, Kyle, can I just jump in real quick? So we have Kyle is going to be on a Kindle edition of this, and mm. as I'm following along, I'm going to be looking at, I believe, the first edition of this book in the paperback version. So I will offer, I'm just looking right now. Yes, yeah, so this is originally published in 2001. I will offer page numbers where applicable um, for those of you on this. Excellent. Thank you, Michael. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Ministry of Magic mom classification. They do one to five X's. Five X's being the most dangerous. Known wizard killer slash impossible to train or domesticate. Four X's. Dangerous slash requires specialist knowledge slash skilled wizard may handle. <laughs> Three X's. Competent wizard should be able to cope with a beast of this classification. Two, harmless. And they may even be domesticated. And one hex, my personal favorite, <laughs> boring. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking at this, and it's this whole book is just a reminder. It's very meta. Like, even the front, the inside cover where it's talking about who published this, it has, like, it says that it was published... Arthur A. Levine books, an imprint of Scholastic Press, in a, in association with Obscurus Books, 18A Diagon Alley, London. Like, it's very meta, but m- most importantly, it is very funny. JK is always funny, but man, this is like 1x boring. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, it, that's just funny. That's what we've talked about, where at its core, the, the magic universe is kind of a silly one. Yeah. So... We'll get into this. Number 10 is the Clabbert. <laughs> the Clabbert. Clabbert. C-L- okay. C-L-A-B-B-E-R-T. Hold up. I'm finding it in this book. That is page 8. Page 8. So yes. <laughs> the, the Clabbert's classification is two X's. So we're not talking super dangerously here. And I don't think we have time to read the entire excerpt from the book. But no. basically, the best way to describe a Clabbert is that it's a monkey frog <laughs> Which is a hell of an image. Yeah, because it, cl- it, it specifically says in appearance something like a cross between a monkey and a frog, which implies that I'm able to generate that image in my head. Right. I'm not. They're tree, do- they're tree dwellers. I like that it, it is Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. It originated yes. in the southern states of America, though it has since been exported worldwide. The cool thing about it is... It's probably the most distinctive feature is that its forehead has like lights up when it senses danger, kind of like a sneeze. Ooh, I like that. So people would keep them in their gardens, but then they would light up when they like their tree. These basically your, their trees would light up anytime a muggle came around because the clabberts would sense that there were muggles afoot, and then they would confuse muggles because they were wondering why their neighbors had Christmas lights in their trees in like the middle of July or something. <laughs> I I really like that. I'm I'm thinking as I look at this, I think I've got the image in my head. I think it's Kermit the Frog. <laughs> yeah. Because Kermit like an upright has upright frog. Yeah, upright, like the really long arm. So I'm picturing that scene in Family Guy when Kermit is patrolling the swamps <laughs> of the bayou. We don't need to get into what he says. Back to where but, you came. Well, that is what he says. But <laughs> I'm picturing 
<laughs> the racist Kermit the Frog That's is the, the clabbert. So, okay, it uh, says here, smooth and hairless skin is mottled green, hands and feet are webbed, arms and legs are long and supple, enabling the clabbert to swing between branches with the agility of an orangutan. Okay, so, just substitute the clabbert for Kermit the yeah. Frog. The Kermit. Mm-hmm. So that's number 10. Yes. Number 9, the Nundu. Oh, the Nundu. That's right. What's a Nundu? So a Nundu, you actually probably have a decent image in your head if you've recently seen the film, because it does appear in it. When they first go into Newt's case of fun, the Nundu is the large kind of lion-esque leopard-type creature that jumps up on a rock and, like, yes. roars, and its neck kind of expands like a That's what fish. I was going to ask. It's the thing with the neck thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So the Nundu is actually a 5X animal. It's incredibly dangerous. It originates in East Africa, and it breathes when it's threatened. Its breath can, it like releases really, really deadly and quickly spreading diseases that can like wipe out entire villages. Wow. And the book, it says it can only be subdued by a team of like 100 plus wizards. Like this is an extreme, and it, it even says in the book too, it's some considered to be the most dangerous creature, like, in existence. Wow. Which kind of begs the question, like, what the fuck is one of these things doing in Newt's bag of tricks with all these other creatures? That is a very good question. It's, it, I think it's kind of funny because the Nundu sounds like the kind of creature that fits into the, the type of magic and the type of danger that Dumbledore doesn't prize as highly. Like, Dumbledore would probably tell you that the Boggart is the most dangerous animal in the world mm. and, and sort of on the themes that we've discussed before. This is, interestingly, a very conventionally dangerous creature. So I think we'll see where you go with this list, but I think that probably accounts for something as cool as this being kind of relatively low on the list because it's so, so cool. But, you know, in some sense, it might as well just be a, a scary big cat. Right. The For me, part of it is that it, Exactly. Like, it's pretty similar to what we would conventionally see as, like, kind of a, a predator or a monster, like mm-hmm. a lion or a cheetah or, like, a leopard, like you actually see in Africa. Yeah. And it's and it's really only in the in the movie for, like, a, a hot sec there. I have one quick note, a uh, personal note. You said the kind of thing you see in Africa. Long story short, my parents have been slowly transitioning, at least part of their time, to a cabin uh, up in the woods, and they've been seeing some creatures... I think I may have sent a group picture of a bear that was in our backyard. It was like a 250 or 300 pound bear. It's quite, quite a sizable black bear. Smart bear? Yeah, smart bear has come. But the more interesting thing is my mother saw a mountain lion. And when my parents were talking to this local guy who has actually has a hunting show to confirm, he said, you know, the local fisheries, game of fisheries won't confirm that because they don't want to cause a panic. But I was going through the woods and I saw a deer about 10 feet up a tree. What? <laughs> if you've never seen this, YouTube it. Big cats on the savanna in Africa will kill like a kudu or an antelope and they'll drag it up a tree. So they hide it from other what? from. Yes, because like a hyena can't climb up a tree. The but fuck? It, Yes, but a jaguar or a lion has the upper body strength to do so. So you, you should do yourself a favor. And when we get done with this, watch like a, watch a jaguar drag a zebra up a tree. I can't and even this believe is, that happens. Oh, it's, 
it's hard to it's hard to actually fathom the strength, which is why the Nundu resonates, even though it's it's sort of magically like not that interesting. The fundamental allure of a big cat is is very real. Oh yeah, <laughs> hit the old YouTube's up. And by the way, this is on page thirty one of my edition. Okay. Woo. Yeah. All right. <laughs> number uh, number eight. <laughs> terrified i'm like looking out my window now yeah so number eight this one does not appear in the book this is uh-huh. so that is not on a page no it's just it's just a, a movie invention i believe unless i'm mistaken but it's the one in the movie that he calls the swooping evil it's yes. basically the bird on a yo-yo that he'll just like flip out of his hand occasionally to like mm-hmm. make use of the 3D glasses that you're wearing. But <laughs> that's that's cynical and not true, Kyle. Take it back. Yeah, but it's I mean it's it's pretty <laughs> useful. I mean, like when uh, what's her face is about to get swallowed in that like terrifying metallic death goop, it swoops around and like beats up the the creepy one flew over the cuckoo's nest nurse ratchets. This and, is movie one. Yeah. That's if that little description you gave there doesn't capture the first movie, and I'm I'm bullish on the second movie, but the like, you know, that time what's her name did the thing, yeah, like it was it was a fun overall experience, but holy shit, I couldn't name one character from that movie. I mean Newt, I remember Newt. Yes, yes, that's a good point, Newt. That's pretty much it, though. So the one with the haircut and the one with the other haircut. I'm glad that let's just let's just have it said now. I'm glad that they're just like okay, we got that Fantastic Beast bullshit out of the way. Now it's yes. time for the now it's time for the Dumbledore Grindelwald prequel stuff. Okay, that's literally fine. all this is fine, which that's, is fine. It's more honest. It's more honest. That's fine. Way. That's fine. Yeah, I'm excited for it. So, so anyways, this one gets a lot of points because it's it's got a pretty prominent role in the in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just a neat creature, and I think it's cool that he he says like the locals call it a swooping evil. Like we don't actually know what it's called. It's just like kind yeah. of this, like mm-hmm. it's another monster. I like it. Yeah, I agree with that. And is it clear who the locals are? It's unclear. He might see that. I also like that because I picture him traveling any number of places where he might have had an encounter with the locals. Who have you ever seen the show River Monsters? I've never watched it, but. But you're aware of it. He's he's a he's a fisherman who goes places where there's mysterious fish, and he talks to the locals. And this is how it always develops. It's actually really kind of cool because they'll say like, "Nobody's seen it around here for ten years. It ain't a kid hole." And it's like, and they're like, "What's it called?" And they show somebody you know who's who's not speaking English, and then they'll translate it, and it's like in English, this means the swooping evil. Yeah. And it's great, and it's it's cheesy and ridiculous, but it's, it's, like, it's uh, also feels very true to life. It's like Anaconda the movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, great film. Okay, mm-hmm. that was number eight. Number seven is one that I think is like maybe the scariest beast on this whole list. It's called a Leatherfold, and it is a five X rating. This thing is dangerous. Just a just a moment. The Leatherfold is on page twenty five, also known as Living Shroud. Yep, that's right. I have oh here boy. Leatherfold parentheses Living Shroud. So, as you might gather from that, the Leatherfold basically just resembles a black cloak or cape. Mm-hmm. It's very skinny, like a cloak is, and it it eats people. And how it works is it sneaks up on you, 
while you're in your bed, while you're asleep, and it wraps itself around you like a cloak, and it strangles your ass, and then it eats you in your bed. It digests you and everything right there where you were lying, and then it slithers away, (laughs) and it leaves no traces, which means that, and they're pretty rare, like it's rare to encounter, and it's cool, It's this is what I like so much about it. It says in the book, like, it's really unclear kind of how many people have been killed by Leatherfolds because they leave no trace whatsoever. Could be infinite. Exactly. We like we have no idea. And the fact that they leave no trace means that it's a really popular method for wizards to fake their own deaths. Mm-hmm. They listed one example where like this family was bummed to find out that their father was gone, and then he showed up like two weeks later with the barmaiden like down the road, but he mm-hmm. pretended like he'd been attacked by a Leatherfold. Interestingly enough, the only thing that you can use to defend against them is a Patronus charm. You know, that that's interesting to me, because I, 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 if I recall correctly, the actual books are a little bit... They don't really address alternative uses of a Patronus in the way that the movies do. Yeah. The movies seem to imply that the Patronus is a bit more of a go-anywhere spell, whereas the books, at least as I recall, with the possible exception of some of the work that they do later in the books sending messages yeah they're they're more like dementors only right and i i like the idea i kind of like the in this instance the movie idea more which is that it's more of a companion for you that in can help against a variety of but i like this it's like it means it's like just generally kind of evil repellent which yeah is neat but if if you can get your hands on the on the book. It's it's worth a read here because this is the only one in the whole book. It has like a three four page like written account from a wizard named Flavius Belby, who is hopefully related to Marcus. I would think he probably is. Who was fortunate enough to survive a Leatherfold attack in 1782 while holidaying in Papua New Guinea. <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. I just read through it a little bit of it when you were kind of introducing this, and man, that is enjoyable. Yeah. I love. I'm a. I'm a sucker for a good epistolary novel, and this is a good little a little snippet of it. It's very Dracula esque, actually. As I read this, yeah, it reads a lot like our boy Harker's diary. Yeah, precisely. She's a master. She's a she's a master. She's a master. Yeah. So number seven was the le- the Leatherfold. Mm-hmm. For the not top three, I picked. In keeping with the rating scale, I picked three pretty boring creatures. So one is the Bundamun. Mm-hmm. The Bundamun has a rating of three, though. Yes. So it's at least somewhat dangerous. It basically, it, it's very easily confused for mold. But <laughs> if you were to, like, startle it, it has these, like, long spindly legs and kind of runs around. And it basically infests houses like black mold. And diluted Bundamun can be used in cleaning supplies. It wouldn't surprise me to find that when they were cleaning out Grimald place they might have had some kind of Bundamun product in their in their uh wow. in their bag of tricks. Page five, good pick. I like that one. Yeah, number two is the Chiz Purfle. <laughs> I'm so what, what was that you just The Chiz Purfle? Oh you've not okay. heard of the Chiz Purfle? So that is page seven. Yeah. The Chiz Purfle is a two on the danger scale. Yep. They're basically like the size of fleas. They're really mm-hmm. tiny little parasites, but they're attracted to 
magic, like essential magic. So mm. like you have to keep your wand like in a case or somewhere safe because if a chisperful gets at it, they can actually eat through the wood to try to get to the magical core. I really like this. Yeah. And they, they like, you can oftentimes they're found in like magical creatures, hair or feathers because they, they feed off like the kind of magical energy. Kind of like what you were talking about with bow truckles, like how they always live in wand trees. That's exactly what I'm feeling. What I really like about them is that if they're in an area that's pretty strongly inhabited by muggles and there's not enough magic around, they'll actually just eat electronics, which explains why a lot of times electronics just don't really work correctly. Do you mind if I read this really quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just The footnote is so good. So the footnote says, In the absence of magic, chisperfuls have been known to attack electrical objects from within. For a fuller understanding of what electricity is, <laughs> see Home Life and Social Habits of British Muggles, Wilhelm Wigworthy, Little Red Books, 1987. Just... What can you say? Incredible. <laughs> She's amazing even in her footnotes. So That is... Footnote game is strong. Number three on the not top three list is the only beast I was able to find that only had a one. So, Or not the only one. I think Flobberworms also. Rightly. But... Number three is the hork lump. <laughs> the hork lump. That's page 21. The hork lump. The hork lump is almost literally basically just a mushroom. It just looks like a white mushroom. And they dig around for grubs in gardens. And they can pretty quickly spread and like cover an entire garden in like a, a day or two. And the other, the only other notable thing about them is that gnomes like to eat them. So like gnomes can be used to rid a garden of hork lumps, but now you got a gnome thing. So And then you got what was it we read something earlier eats gnomes. I forget, but then we'll have to move on to the thing that eats that and then suddenly you're just moving up the food chain. All of a sudden you've got a too new long new. you end up Yeah, you end up with a new two under there. Yeah, dragging a wizard up into a tree. So YouTube it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. That concludes our not top three segment. Number six mm. is a moon calf. A moon what? A moon calf, like a moon calf. Okay, 29. So moon calves are cool because they only come out when there's a full moon, kind of like mm-hmm. a werewolf, I guess. Oh. And in the they appear in the movie, if you remember correctly, Newt tells his buddy, I can't remember his name, <laughs> his, muggle, his nomad friend, He's like, here, take these to the moon calves. And he, like, grabs a bucket of whatever, and then he, like, wanders through. Oh, I remember this. And this was that dream sequency scene where it's, yeah. like, night and it's beautiful. Exactly. And, and they're, it looks great in your 3D glasses. Yeah. Whatever, Mike. And then, um, <laughs> so they're, like, these little tiny blue, like, beady-eyed, goofy-looking creatures. And there's a bunch of them, and they're super cute, and they're, like, bouncing around his legs. What the I think- The greatest, uh, stuffed animals. Yes. What I think I love most about moon calves is that they, moon calves, moon calves, is that, um, when they get out, they're so happy to be out in the moonlight, they actually do dances, like, as a group, and they do it in such a fashion that it actually makes, like, patterns in cornfields. Mm-hmm. So, JK, oh. yeah, so it kind of explains away, like, the whole, like, alien markings in cornfields type myth that people talk about, which... So do you think that they exist in the M. Night Shyamalan-verse? I think they they certainly must. <laughs> wow, I really like that one. They, they feel like a fun counterpoint, as you said, to werewolves. And I also kind of get a Vila-esque vibe with the dancing, which I like. Yeah. What this, what this weirdly reminded me of was 
Pokemon Gold version where you could only catch a Lapras on a Tuesday and like the mm. game knew what day it was. It's just like this cool idea of like you would only see one at a certain time and I don't know. That's what it reminded yeah. me of for some reason. No, that's a that's a funny connection but I I like that. Yeah. So, that was number 6. Mm-hmm. Number five, maybe my personal favorite. It's this number five is the Krupp of this list. So, oh, I started writing Krupp. <laughs> I just love Krupps. Number five is the Jarvi. <laughs> the Jarvi is described as basically an overgrown talking ferret. It just looks like a ferret, <laughs> a big ferret that can talk, but it's not smart enough to actually carry on a conversation that oftentimes just repeats phrases that it hears kind of like a parrot, but it has a tendency to only pick up on like really crude or rude things. <laughs> so like if you're wandering around and you hear someone like, Hey asshole, what are you doing over here? Get out of here. And then you're like, who is that? And they're like, Hey mister, get out of here. You asshole. It's probably a Jarvie. <laughs> this is amazing. So the, the description is great. The conception of this character is great. The name is is like a 12 out of 10. I don't... I'm assuming it's like a British surname. Like, it's just in, it's just funny because it would be like calling it a, like a Johnson or a Smith or whatever. It's just like a, a last name. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think it's fun. It, it's a it's a pretty, pretty serious flex again by Grammy Joe. Yeah. I think, if I remember correctly, it says something in here about them eating gnomes but i can't remember it does yes it says they live mostly below ground where they pursue gnomes so they will also eat moles rats and voles mm. so jarvies well, eat I, gnomes gnomes eat horklums horklums eat grubs yes i like this so much because i really do i like your i actually i think you've kind of introduced this image now i'm just like walking through the woods and i hear hey you asshole and i'm assuming that there's somebody messing with me but really it's a jarvie yeah i mm. I like that image of like, yeah. of like feeling really afraid because you're like, oh, I thought I was the only one here. And then you're like, ha it's just a Jarvie. Yeah. I kind of wish Jarvies were real. Yeah. I really, I really like this one. Number four is a creature called the Augury, which I love. The Augury is also yeah, known a great pick. as the Irish Phoenix. And I believe they live almost exclusively in Ireland. If I remember correctly. Oh, by the way, moon calves are a two on the danger scale and Jarvis are a three. So, nothing. which is very interesting. I think the main danger of the Jarvie is that it comes to a, a British pub and <laughs> says, hey, you asshole during like a rugby match and like starts a fight after he's had a few too many Newcastles. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm picturing. Like yeah. the guys, the soccer hooligans from Eurotrip. <laughs> Manchester United fans. Yeah, if you're not a mank, you're a wank. Like, you I, picture, I picture the Jarvie <laughs> saying, if you're not a mank, you're a wank. <laughs> Just started this whole thing. Jarvies are all really big Premier League fans. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Rooney with the... That's actually in our little circle, I Jarvy causing problems by constantly shouting Wayne Rooney with the equalizer. I'm like, I'm like, Jameson's here. Like, oh, it's just a Jarvy. It's just a Jarvy. Uh, so, are you familiar with this meme? The like, sir, this is an Arby's or Applebee's or whatever it is. Do you know this? 
No. Oh, this is so good. So they'll show like a picture of somebody like on a big rant or like a video of somebody going, you know, here's <laughs> the thing, kids, you should blah, blah, blah. And then they'll just show somebody in a fast food restaurant. Uh, sir, this is an Applebee's <laughs> or this is an Arby's. And I just picture like, I just picture Jameson because really we're talking about Jameson, yeah. not the Jarvie, but Jar- Jarvie slash the Jameson in a British pub like, wait, you <laughs> Like, sir, this is an Arby's. <laughs> sir, this is a Nando's. Yeah, sir, this is not a... I don't even know who Wayne Rooney plays for now. This is not a whoever Wayne Rooney plays for game anymore. No. No. Okay, so the Augury on page two. Oh, yeah, the Augury. Mm-hmm. So the Irish Phoenix, they basically resemble... They're not as brilliant, uh, visually speaking, as their Phoenix, actual Phoenix cousins. But they basically look like underfed vultures, which is kind of a depressing image. So before auguries were fully understood, people thought that hearing an augury cry was a bad omen and that it foretold death. Upon study of the augury, folks realized that really it just knows when it's about to rain. And it just cries before it rains. It feels, I really like how deeply Irish this is. Like even the descriptions sound like a, a kind of, cranky irish writer and it, the idea that it foretells death but really it's just rain like that just feels like a very irish concept it's sort of funny and goofy but it all comes back to the fact that the weather sucks yeah and it rains a lot there so you'd probably be hearing a lot of auguries that's a good point and if you're in fear that it's gonna foretell death that would i imagine really weigh on people no oh, for sure yeah and also the 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 note references a book when they discovered that it that the it's just right it says why i didn't die when the augury cried by gulliver pokeby (laughs) (laughs) oh that's good that sounds like a dr seuss parallel yeah it really does sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna seuss mood from last yeah i know feeling very seussical yeah okay so that brings us to number three so i'm gonna run through honorable mentions here yes one i had is the fooper the Fwooper. Fwooper? Fwooper. F-W-O-O-P-E-R. Fwooper. Oh, this is a great picture. There's not a lot of pictures in here, but this one has an illustration. Yeah, so they're African birds, and they lay really colorful eggs, mm-hmm. um, which make them good targets for poachers. Also, they're, the Fwooper song, if heard for too long, can actually cause madness. Wow. And there's Very some kind basilisk of- slash... Um... Uh, which we call it the uh, Mandrake esque. Correct. So there's some kind of footnote in there about how um some weird goofy guy like lived with like a room full of whoopers and went mad. Yurik the oddball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him. That's great. And I found through my internet research, I found that people think that in that montage section of Fantastic Beasts. There's a red bird that kind of soars behind another creature we're about to talk about in the movie, and a lot of people think that is a fooper. Mm-hmm. So that's This that. thing does not look like it should be flying. No. Also, do yourself a favor on these illustrations, and, and when you're looking through it, go to the next page, the illustration of the gnome, which fits so nicely with the book describing it as having a very potato-like head, because <laughs> this looks like a potato. <laughs> it's a great picture. <laughs> It looks great. like a it looks like a Smurf with a potato head. <laughs> that's, that's don't even bother googling it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. 
So up ne- or yeah, okay. So more more honorable mentions. The Graphorn. So the Graphorn yeah. is another one that appears in the movie. It's one of the first ones that Newt talks about. It's like this weird like yak type creature that like looks like it has a bunch of tendrils coming out of its mouth. And he's saying that he's kind of like got the last two that are alive and he's breeding them. And he's a little baby Graphorn. They're basically just like large mountainous yaks. Yeah, there but there are four on the danger scale, so be careful if you're in a in a grapporn area. The climbing, I would imagine, makes it very uh very difficult. Yeah, as far, even for a wizard, I imagine scaling a mountain is not a, a simple task, especially no. if they're averse to apparating. Agreed. Okay, next the glum bumble. Yep, the glum bumble. So there's just these like <laughs> these furry little so bugs. Good. I kind of like the picture of Venonat. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I know. Did not expect that reference today. That's two Pokemon references today. Yeah. And so they're just, they're furry little bugs, and they, like, emit, like, a, it's, like, sad, like, juice. Like, it's, like, a nectar that makes you sad. Mm-hmm. And the funny note in the, in the, in the book is that they'll sometimes invest beehives, and then like, the unsuspecting wizard harvests the hive for honey and then I can't understand why he's so sad. It's kind of interesting. The name is that's the best part is like that phenomenon is so perfectly encapsulated by the name. The glum bubble. It's a glum bubble. Maybe a gloom. Remember that Pokemon? There's Oddish and then Gloom. Gloom, yeah. And is there one more, right? It's in um What is it? Vile plume? Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of like the idea of these beasts evolving. Like, what does the Glum Bumble turn into? I feel like a Horklump turns into a Glum Bumble turns into a Billywig. Yes, agreed. That's moving on. That's so perfect. That's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Next one is the Lobalug. The Lobalug. The Lobalug. Yeah, they're 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 lake fish type creatures. They kind of look like regular fish, except they explode poison when they're threatened, and they're <laughs> used as weapons by mer people, which I think is cool. Wow. Right. I like that. I like that one a lot. That's uh that's on page twenty seven. So it's interesting. Mer people use the Lobalug as a weapon, but my question is how? Do they throw it? I'm because picturing... it doesn't it doesn't so it, it specifically points out that wizards have been known to extract the poison, which implies to me that the Mer people's use of the Lobalug does not involve extracting the poison, which means that they're actually using the Lobalug. But it also doesn't seem like they're using attack Lobalugs. I think they're just, like, chucking them. My mental image was, like, a person approaches somebody and, like, pulls a Lobalug out of his bag <laughs> and grabs it by the tail with both hands and then just slides his hand up it and then, like, explodes yeah. a bunch of poison on somebody. Which I like it, that. Which seems like a pretty cruel way to treat a Lobalug, but... I don't know. Yeah, unclear that the Lobalug is in any way deserving of this treatment. <laughs> I sort of, what you're, the way you're describing it, which I kind of like, is like one of those, um, the pastry, the, like the icers. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm picturing. Or like a tube of toothpaste. Yes. 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 That's kind of yes. what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's probably simpler. <laughs> I'm just in a baking mood. <laughs> you were eating a delicious looking brownie earlier. Yeah, in case you. there's a weird uh, lack of continuity on this pod, it's because Caroline, girlfriend, longtime girlfriend of the pod, and I briefly interrupted Kyle to snack on a little, a little uh, Thanksgiving treat. Mm. Mm. 
So that brings us to the Mackled Malaclaw. The, um, what? The Mackled Malaclaw? Oh, you're not familiar? The Mackled Malaclaw? That's right. Okay, of course, of course, of course. They basically, uh, This appears to be 28. They look like lobsters, but they live on land. And really the only super notable thing about them is that if you are bitten by a Malaclaw, you're likely to experience bad luck for a few weeks. So, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> this is great. The advice is to, if you've bitten by a Mackled Malaclaw, do not partake in any wagers or gambles or dangerous sporting events. Like, don't play Quidditch after being bitten by a Malaclaw. You're likely to attract a bludger to the dome or something. That's the Mackled Malaclaw. That, that is just great. I, so I really like the part where it says, despite its passing resemblance to the lobster, it should on no account be eaten as its flesh is unfit for human consumption and will result in a high fever and an unsightly greenish rash, which in my estimation is an indication that JK or somebody close to her once ate bad lobster and had a bad reaction. Like that to me is <laughs> because lobster is one of those, we've discussed this before. It's one of those very high risk foods that you have to set a hard floor on your the oh, price you'll pay. Absolutely. And I, I like to picture some sort of shyster like uh, Mundungus Fletcher hawking like $8 <laughs> mackled Malaclaw <laughs> and making like innocent travelers sick. We're nowhere near the ocean. He's like, he's yeah. serving, he's serving Malaclaw out of the hog's head. <laughs> yeah, he's like in the middle of Kansas City, like, oh, get yourself some fresh lobster. Eight bucks. And you're like, okay. And then you just get all green and nasty. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> That's my image. I like it. Yeah. The last one I have here is the Doug Bog. So mm-hmm. the Doug Bog, as it might, as you might infer from that, li- that likes to live in a bog. It just <laughs> looks like a piece of dead wood, and it kind of floats in the water, which sounds super dangerous. But they actually don't attack humans; they mostly just eat mandrakes. Mm-hmm. So interesting. That yeah. seems like a dangerous food to eat. I, well, the thing about baby mandrakes is that before they're fully mature, you're it's not going to kill you or anything. It's just going to, you know. So the Doug Bog is seeking out just a new one. Uh, probably it's like ripping them up, nipping them at the, nipping them in the butt, you know. Yes, gotta nip them right in the butt. I've right heard, butt. frankly, that the tastiest part of a mandrake is the butt. So in this case, it might actually. But what's interesting is the mandrake <laughs> is also a plant. So in this case, nipping it in the butt and nipping it in the bud, there Hard might be some real the overlap there. Yeah. There's. I really this this might warrant some further exploration. But talk to me about what you like so much about the Doug Bog because absent some sort of argument, my reaction is what the hell, Kyle? This is boring. Well, it is. That's it's just it's on the honorable mention list though. Oh, I think you were saying this was number one of number one. No, 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 no. This is the last honorable mention. Oh, we had a lot of honorable mentions. Yeah, get out of here. Oh, you confused the shit out of me. I was like, wow. Kyle, this was an interesting top of the list. No, no, no. The top of the list is much better than that. Okay. Well, I I kind of liked it though because it was it was on brand with the JK being JK thing. Oh, but, just, all right. Let's let's get back to the old list then. Just wait. So okay. So tell me what you want to do with this because there are a bunch of other beasts that I have here that are based in mythology. So she didn't make them up, mm-hmm. but they're not in the books in any way. It's yeah. actually kind of like a quadrant four. 
That's odd that there would be a fourth quadrant. That's too many quadrants. But it's, I would... No, it's, it's too many. But if you wanted to mention those, I think it would make sense here. Just like kind of run through them like the honorable mentions. Yeah, I'm going to have to rattle them off. There's not enough here to do a full podcast on, but I'm, I'm going to do it. So No, it would also confuse the listeners yeah, to do a full podcast. If I have four quadrants, quadrant. it doesn't make any sense. No, it would be very confusing. One is called the Erkling, which is from German folklore. They're basically elves that lure children into forests. Oh, Jesus. Terrifying. Kill them, I take it? Yeah. Yeah, they kill them. No, they they, they kill them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. This is yeah. one of, this one is one of my favorites. It's a Diracall. <laughs> a a Diracall? Diracall. They are <laughs> They're just dodos. But they can apparate, and so it says like they just all disappeared and muggles like stupidly thought that they had just like all died. <laughs> oh stop. Yeah. She, oh my god, she's the best. That's a Diracall. I wonder if you've heard of this one, Mike, the hide behind. It's apparently based in... Yes, I do know the hide behind it. I don't like it at all. Yeah, it's creepy. It's a Massachusetts-based folklore. They're basically, like, tall, skinny bears that, like, run around in the forest. And, I don't know, and the, the, the magic twist on this is that some guy tried to smuggle over a ship full of demiguises and uh ghouls, and they crossbred. And then when he got there, they busted out and all these, like hide behinds just like found the like ran into the forest and stayed there i like to picture slenderman or slenderman mm, okay also i'm not seeing that in this book is it under a different name in fantastic beasts no i think i may just have a different version than you because my version references the the first movie and so it certainly was published after 2001 oh so it must be updated with a couple of them. i think okay. it's updated a little bit but yes i am i'm familiar with the hide behind don't like it at all yeah i'm not a fan of that this one I am a big fan of, the hodag. So the hodag is part of Wisconsin lore. It's like a Wisconsin Ooh. wives' tale. And it, it stemmed from like an actual hoax that took place. I can't remember the actual year. But like some farmer claimed to have seen this big, like crocodile-y, elephant face, stegosaurus, purple monster. <laughs> okay, that's a lot of things. Yeah, it was really weird. And like a lot of people like contributed to it. And it kind of like, it's this like, it's just like a fun kind of like wives tale in Wisconsin. And th- and what she adds to it is she says that the horns when ingested by a man can make you immune to the effects of alcohol and you won't need to sleep for 7 days or 7 nights. So she's making a sex joke. Yeah. Yeah, prevents whiskey <laughs> dick precisely. And they have been mostly contained to Wisconsin to explain that, which I think is funny. Wow. I'm a huge fan. The, I don't know how it's pronounced, the Ream or Reem. It's it's kind of like an ox type creature that's referenced in the Bible a bunch of times. Oh. It has cool. a, it has a golden hide and, uh, and if you drink its blood, it makes you super strong. All right. All right. The Snallygaster, which is a Washington DC legend. You've heard of it? I remember this from the, from the book. Yeah. It's like a Maryland and Washington, D.C. thing. It looks like a dragon, has steel fangs, and a bulletproof hide. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. A Thunderbird, which is of Native American origin. Those are actually... Have you ever seen a Thunderbird on Totem? Yes. Like a Totem Pole? They're really... There's some really beautiful Thunderbirds out there. Really cool, and they're. it's very prominently featured in the film. Newt's trying to get one back to Arizona. The end, it causes a storm, which helps them confund all the the nomadges. 
Yep. Is Zapdos the uh, Pokemon version? I think you're right, Mike. Yes. Think More you're Pokemon right. connectivity here. Next one is the Wampus Cat. <laughs> Another Native American. It's America. like Catty Wampus. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, super dangerous. This one is a Cherokee in origin. It's like a big cat that walks on its hind legs. And oh, Catty Wampus. Yeah, and its eyes can hypnotize and they can use legilimens, which is pretty cool. Whoa, I dig that. So the, that's a cool little porting on of the Harry Potter bit of magic into the myth. Yeah. So the American version of Hogwarts, Ilvermorny, one of the houses is the Wampus Cat. Is like the symbol of that house. And also Huge a, fan. the Thunderbird is another one of those. I don't know what the other two are. I, I like those. Those feel very American. Yeah. I feel like the others must be Sam Elliott and Bradley Cooper. I would think so. Yeah. Another one is the Yeti. Mm-hmm. It's just a magical creature. Why the abominable snowman? Why can't I just be the the friendly snowman or whatever it is? Monsters Inc. Why not the yeah. agreeable snowman? <laughs> the creep. And the last one, which is my absolute favorite, is the Rune Spore. Pardon? A Rune Spore, which reminds me of that old game, RuneScape. Oh jeez. A Rune Spore is basically a very large three headed snake. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is part of its actual mythology or something that JK made up, but the rune spore, each of its three heads is tasked with a different purpose. And by the way, they're they're only found in uh, Burkini Faso. (laughs) Okay, of course, of course. So the first head is the planner. It basically does all of the the rune spore scheming. Mm -hmm. The second head is for dreaming. It basically dreams all day long. And can be often seen with a dazed kind of look on its face. And the third head is the critic, who basically kind of like critiques what the other two heads are doing at any given time. Mm -hmm. And for this reason, it's not uncommon to see a rune spore in the wild with only two heads because the other two (laughs) gang up to remove the third. (laughs) I'd be interested to know which head most commonly is removed. It's it's the the right head commonly is the one you see missing the one that is the critic because the other two mm, tire it's of just it. such a pain in the ass. Apparently, there was a deleted scene that featured the rune spore in fa- the first Fantastic Beasts movie that I believe is actually something you can watch on the internet. Like it's on. Oh the, wow! It's on the like DVD or whatever. Wow, I dig that. So that's all of those. Yep, they don't really fit into this, but I wanted to mention them because it's they're so cool. Yeah, Th- that brings us to our top three. Hmm. Number three is the Jobbernol. The Jobbernol. So the Jobbernol, and this is like, it's just so creative. And like the stuff that she can think of, it's a bird that doesn't make a sound its entire life. And when it eventually dies, its death whale is every sound that it's ever heard replayed backwards. Wow. Isn't that wild? That is just. That's nuts. It's fun to like even unpack what she's trying to say. Cause I think she's so funny that sometimes, you know, she's not trying to say anything. She's just being funny. But this is like, this is a statement of some sort. It, it just makes me think of like, you know, like a quiet person that doesn't say much, yeah. but is retaining a lot of information and is really on top of things. What I think is the coolest part about this is that it has a, the jobbernal feathers and talons and stuff are often used in truth serums and memory potions. Yeah. I dig that. I real I think the backwards part is fun because it makes it it makes more sense that way, I think. 
I have to wonder how quickly it says everything it's heard backwards. Because I'm picturing sort of like this garbled message that if you're careful, you can use to your advantage. Mm. But it probably would take a, a fair bit of skill, especially if you don't have uh, electronic recording equipment, which presumably wouldn't work in this scenario. True. Yeah. I like that a lot. I know. I really like that. It one. also is very Phoenix-esque. Hmm? It's very like Phoenix like in yeah. that it's this morning song, but it's at its own death and it's not this pleasant, comforting thing. I would imagine this would be a source of great distress to anybody unlucky enough to hear it. Yeah, no, it probably wouldn't be fun to hear that. No. Number two, I I I really like this one. Number two is the Ashwinder, or maybe Ashwinder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like Ashwinder better. Yeah, me too. But Ashwinder's kind of fun. <laughs> There's a Schwinder in my Schwinter. <laughs> you better hope not. So, no. an Ashwinder, this is so cool. Ashwinders spawn from fires that are unattended for, for long periods of time. So, if you leave a fire going without keeping an eye on it, it might mm-hmm. spawn an Ashwinder. Yeah. They're like little tiny snakes come out of the fire and they only live an hour. They basically, as soon as they're spawned, go and find some place to lay their eggs. Yep. And their eggs are extremely flammable. So oftentimes wizarding fires start this way. You leave a fire unattended, and rather than the fire just, like, catching something on fire, an ashwinder comes out, lays its eggs, which combust, and then can, like, set a house on fire. So it's why you have to really pay attention to wizarding fires uh, and always put out your, your fire after traveling by flu network, like, promptly after you've, yeah. you've sent someone. However, frozen Ashwinder eggs are very important because they're used in a variety of potions, most notably a love potion or amortentia. That feels very fitting because of the fire burning right. kind of slowly thing. But I I really like this because this one also feels like JK maybe teaching her kids a lesson. Like they had a campfire one time and the kid just let it burn down and it caused some sort of damage. And so she's like, you better watch out or the Ashwinder is going to get you. This feels This feels very teachy. In a way that I think is very, very enjoyable. Yeah, I think I just think it's cool. It feels like a it's like a level above a household pest. But yeah, I don't know. I just like the place. No, it, it has that it has that feeling of that mundane element, which is what makes like the gnome so fun. It's what makes the boggard interesting as a as it, it has a place. Like it feels like it belongs to a sense of place. And this, while it's any old fire theoretically, it feels very domestic. Yeah, precisely. Mm-hmm. So I included them this high because they're tangentially related to the books and that components are used in, in various potions that we know of. Yeah. The same is true for our number one creature. The number one fantastic beast from this book that doesn't appear in any of <laughs> the, the seven novels is the Akami. Yeah. So people will remember the Akami from the first Fantastic Beast movie. It's the large kind of blue serpent-like creature that appears many, many times in the book, in the movie. So when they first show up um, at the bank, the new hands off the, for some reason, his nomad friend ends up getting an Akami egg. He mm-hmm. leaves his egg like right on the bench when he stands up. And so he puts the egg in his pocket and then he goes into his interview and it starts hatching. And then he's like, what the fuck is this thing? And uh, Newt has to, like, get it out of there. So that's the first time we see the Akami. And then it's one of the three that they have to capture on later, along with the Arumpant and the Demiguise. 
And this is something that they added into the movie that's not actually described in the book, is the ability to grow or shrink to fit the space that it's in, which I yeah. think is super Which is cool. an element I like. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's the rare case where the addition to the original text is a, is a definite positive. Yeah, I really like it. It's... There are a couple of times that he talks about an animal, like, in the sense, like, this is, like, people won't misunderstand it and they're hunting it. But, like, they really spend time saying, like, he has a whole nest of Akamis in his case. And he's like, you have to protect them because their eggs are made out of silver. And so it's very common for them to be poached and killed, like, yeah. before they've even hatched. Which, I I don't know, I think this movie, like, is it's as much as we make fun of it for, like, not really having much to do with Fantastic Beasts, really... Mm-hmm. There are a lot of cool animals in these movies, and it really does. I mean, an animal lover would love these movies for that reason, and it's cool to to see new, like, take a few seconds in the movie and actually voice a concern for like the the magic and the beauty of creatures and why they should be protected and all of that. So that's part of it. They're just cool creatures, yeah, and they're they're also kind of tangentially related to the books and the Akami shells, the silver from the Akami shells are a really critical component of um, making of Felix Felicis, which I think is cool. I really like that. And I, I agree with what you're saying about how cool they are. That's, I think it's interesting because JK manages to create a lot of creatures that are appealing for a lot of different reasons. But I think ultimately creatures, the big pole we're supposed to feel at least is the coolness. Like that's, you know, that's the reason there's dragons and everything is because dragons are pretty cool. The Akami is just downright cool. I really like it. It's a cool idea. It's really well executed. It it asks a lot of cool questions. So I'm, I'm super into it. And I agree. I also like the, like the value of magical creatures for the sake of magical creatures discussion here. There's no, there's no argument that the eggs should be stolen or harvested for the silver. It's just any animal that would lay a silver egg is clearly something that needs to be preserved. It's something important. Right. Yeah. I I like that a lot. Yeah. That was my list. Did I miss any that you, did you poke through and no, you know, I, this is one where I think it's, it's a little tough to do a lot off the list. Like you got to really dig into it. You got to read through it. So I, I think my takeaway, like if I had a, if I had a takeaway from this episode, it's go read this all, yeah. all you people. Like if you find yourself with 10 minutes pooping, like specifically, I think this is a great, this is a really good book. bathroom book. Yeah. Pooping specifically. Yeah. I'm not trying not while peeing. No. So like peruse this. Cause this is really enjoyable. I, I'm, I'm been, encouraged i'm gonna go back through this and read again yeah and all also like a ton of the ones that we've already talked about are in here and yes first and you can get more fun stuff about yeah and there's so much that we just we really just skimmed the surface it's worth i had a ton of fun reading through this putting these lists together yeah so i, I highly recommend grabbing a copy of it and all proceeds from this book still if you buy it go to one of jk's foundations so it yeah. really really it's a win 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 Agreed. Uh, do we need to do any re-ranking, or should I just recap us? Nah. Recap it and uh, send us off into the, the wonderful and happy beyond of the Fantastic beast diverse. Perfect. So number 10 was the clabber, the fish, or the frog, monkey, <laughs> Christmas tree guy. Kermit. Yeah, Kermit. Number 9 is the Nundu, the most dangerous magical beast all time. All time. Number 8, 
the 3D swooping evil. (laughs) 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 It's one of those 4D movie theaters where it like blows the air on you too. (laughs) (laughs) With real air! (laughs) Number seven. The leather fold. (gasps) (laughs) Sounds like a wallet. Yeah. (laughs) Number six, the moon calf. Yes. Number five, the Jarvie asshole. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> the Boston Jarvie. Yeah, the Boston Jarvie. <laughs> Not to be county. confused with the British Jarvie. <laughs> yeah, I really like. Uh, I have a- <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Number four, yeah. the Irish Phoenix, the Augury. Yes. Number three, the Jobber Knoll. Mm-hmm. Number two, the Ashwinder, or Ashwinder. I, Ishwinder, I really like Ishwinder better. <laughs> I like them both. Yeah. And number one, the Akami. Yeah. So get hyped. It's only, it's, I think it's next weekend. Well, by the time, yeah. by the time this, by the time we air this, I think it'll be actually the same weekend that the movie comes out. We're putting this up. So that's cool. Yeah. This should be opening weekend. So listen to the pod, watch the movie, enjoy. Yeah. And if the movie turns out to suck, not our fault, listen to the pod. Yeah, who knows? It's a big movie. It's like the biggest movie at the end of this year, so we might end up doing another podcast on that even. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll. We'll, this will probably not be the last we <laughs> hear. It certainly will not be the last of the universe. No. Here's the Fantastic Beasts. Definitely not. No. All right, Mike. That was fun. All right, dog. I'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Later. Alrighty, friends, that was our top 10 for this week, but now we'd love to hear your top 10. So please check us out on all of our available social media outlets, traditional outlets, whatever outlets we have. Check us out on Twitter at top10km. That's all spelled out, top10km. Our email, top10km, spelled the same way, at gmail.com, or our site, top10km.podbean.com all forms of communication accepted except for serial killer notes please don't send us any of those if you like the pod be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never have to miss an episode of top 10 ever again if you didn't like it please tell us why we'll try to make the show better our theme music was composed by kevin mcleod and our artwork was created by aaron sant you can check out her stuff at Sant Design on Instagram. Alrighty, goons. We'll see you next week.